I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to episode 114 of All About Fitness. Before I get into this episode's guest, or before I get into the introduction for this episode's guest, I want to take a moment to thank all of you who've been listening to All About Fitness, and especially to those of you who've taken a moment to review you know, review the podcast. You know, we all know how this thing works. You know, the more reviews you get, the higher up in the search rankings you go, but I really appreciate your taking the time to do it. So if you haven't, if you haven't reviewed All About Fitness yet, please stop for a moment, reach down, and just hit that like button or hit that review button. I'd appreciate it. And if you don't, whatever, I'm still going to put the content out. You know, for this episode's guest, this was a really fun conversation. <laughs> and I can't tell you how long this took to organize. You know, between her schedule and my schedule, it really was just, it was, it was trying to get everything lined up. But I've known LaShawn Dale for, well, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to mention how long I've known her. But I've known her for, for a long time. And I've always considered her one of the thought leaders of our industry. She's had, you know, she's had roles where she has created group exercise programs for one of the most exclusive health clubs in the country. She now works for 24-Hour Fitness as the vice president of content. And, and I don't talk about this much, but one of the things I do on the side is I'm a writer. I, I do blogging and I write articles for 24Life. 24Life is the online magazine of 24-Hour Fitness. And it, it, it's an honor to do that because I really see clubs like 24-Hour Fitness as being the entry point. You know, many, many people may not, you know, be able to justify spending a lot of money to join an uh, exclusive health club, or they may not really understand the cost benefit or the return on an investment of, of joining a health club. And 24-hour fitness provides an excellent opportunity to, you know, to, to get the benefits of exercise in a very economical situation. And LaShawn has done a tremendous job with the organization. Her role with 24Life is she helps, you know, curate the content. She reaches out to leaders in the industry and she reaches out to people doing interesting things in the space, not only of exercise, but in nutrition and overall wellness. And I think you're going to be surprised at where our conversation goes today, you know, especially from somebody who's worked with, with big health club chains. LaShawn is a very innovative, you know, forward-thinking, you know, forward-thinking woman. She really is one of the thought leaders in our industry. And she is, and I think she's successfully doing it. LaShawn is successfully branding herself as one of the futurists of the fitness industry, Meaning she's seeing what we're doing now. More importantly, she's understanding where we're going to be in three, five, seven years. You know, I'll bet you're not thinking about right now when you go into the gym of exercising your brain. But people like LaShawn are thinking about that. They're thinking about how is the gym of the future going to evolve? How is exercise going to evolve as we get more dialed in with our technology? Or do we even need technology and fitness? You know, technology can help us, but maybe it creates a barrier between ourselves and, and exercise and physical activity that can improve our overall quality of life. That's what we talk about on this episode of All About Fitness. We talk about various things about how we're going to evolve, what's going to happen with fitness, where we're going to go. Physical activity, exercise is vital, is essential to having an overall high quality of life. And on this episode of All About Fitness... After brief words from the sponsors, Hyperware and Terracore, it was really a fun and just fascinating conversation with a good friend and one of the just one of the leading thought leaders of the fitness industry, Ms. LaShawn Dale. What is part bench, part balance trainer, part stability ball, part jump box, and all results? 
the TerraCore by Vicor Fitness. Specially designed to help enhance balance, strength, agility, and metabolic conditioning, the TerraCore is quickly becoming the go-to piece of workout equipment used by fitness professionals around the world. Whether you're training to earn that eight-figure contract or just trying to get in better shape, the TerraCore will help you achieve results you never thought possible. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness, the shape of things to come. Go to www.vicorefitness.com and use code AAF, that's all about fitness, AAF, to save 20% on the purchase of a TerraCore. Are you looking for some excellent at-home fitness equipment? Do you want a piece of equipment that's versatile, durable, yet can help you get a number of results? Well, check out Sandbells by Hyperware. Sandbells are an extremely versatile free weight. They combine the functionality of a medicine ball, kettlebell, sandbag, and slam ball into one compact dynamic tool. The primary reason I wanted to work with Sandbells and Hyperware as a sponsor is I've been a huge fan of Sandbell product for almost 10 years now. I have a number of them in my garage. I love training with them. I work out with them at home. I use them in the gym. I use them for fitness classes. In fact, I've used them with rugby teams I coach. They are an extremely versatile tool. They are an extremely dynamic free weight. If you want a great piece of workout equipment that you can use at home that doesn't take up a lot of space, I suggest you go to hyperware.com and check out Sandbells. You can use code AAF10 to save 10% on the purchase of the Sandbell for your own. I am Pete McCall with All About Fitness. I'm here today to speak with LaShawn Dale. We're going to talk a little bit about the future of fitness and what's going to be happening. Hey, LaShawn, can you give our listeners a little bit of a background about what you do and, and kind of your experience in the fitness industry? Sure. Well, first of all, I'm super honored to be here and to be on your show. I'm such a big fan of your work and have been of your research and all of your contributions for ever. So thank you. Um, yeah, my career. So I've loved my career and I love where I am right now. I started in this industry when I was 12, really folding towels in a small club called the Unique Physique in Whitefish, Montana, where I grew up. And I worked, I folded towels and I worked in the kids club and I used to always take classes. And then as it, so many of the other GX and group fitness um, talents in the world, my first opportunity to teach is when an instructor didn't show up and I raised my hand. I'm like, I can lead you in something. So I stepped up and taught a version of cheer aerobics, which must have been horrendous, but they all supported me because I was like 14 or 15 and what were they going to say? So that was really the beginning of my career. And since then, I think I really have served like in almost every aspect of the business. Um, I've been a manager. I've done sales. I've done personal training. I've done outside personal training. I've done group fitness, and I've done group fitness management, creative work, program design, it, really every aspect of the business with the exception of operations, which is not my thing and not, definitely not my thing and um, didn't pursue that path. Um, you know, I've, I've worked and traveled the world presenting, designed programs, I've launched programs, opened and closed clubs, owned a boutique yoga studio, and now I'm really merged in the space of branded content and digital programming, which is exciting. That's, I do have to now- say that... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the greatest, but with all of that, like the greatest joy in my career is teaching, teaching group fitness. It is 
the most amazing privilege to sweat and move and grow with a group of humans over a course of time. And I love just thinking that I used to teach the same groups of people like three to four times a week for close to two decades. That's a lot of like time with uh, people outside of your family. And I learned more about the world and myself in those classes than I did in my graduate studies. So I have had a very diverse career, but my love is always comes back to group fitness and teaching groups. And then now mentoring teachers and others to get their ideas out the door with the greatest impact. That's that an interesting, diverse background. We, we've known, a number, not, known each other a number of years, LaShawn, and I didn't know that, that that's where you started. And I think it's so funny that that's how many of us, that's exactly how I got started, was a spinning, a cycling instructor didn't show up, and I had taken the class all two or three times, and I was like, I'll give it a go. I'll teach it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and we got that start. Now, I want to, before we go further, I want to kind of take a moment because you had a blog written about you by um, – what is not daily? Not uh, it was um, totally blanking on it. It was with Jillian. Um, oh, rate your burn, yeah. Rate your burn. She said you had one of the coolest jobs. Can you talk about the job that you did? And and because I do think it was one of the coolest jobs that that you can do in, in fitness. Yeah, so I was definitely still teaching, which um, but you know, teaching and taking classes like that's sort of where my, the muse shows up for me. Like as long as I stay in the work and I'm. It, Playing with my craft, like it always has led, led me to like innovation. But the job that Jillian was talking about at the time was when I was uh, in charge of the creative team for Equinox Group Programming and launching of the new programs and really their their research and development for new programming. I did that job for I think close to twelve years, and it was it was a dream job. I it was a dream company. It was amazing. Um, it led me to like where I am today in my current company. But it was it was great because we really just took like this energy that was in the marketplace around fitness and thought of like what else can we deliver like where how else can we package this movement experience and it was particularly in group um, to serve more people and to reach more people and very consciously lead new concepts and new experiences into the marketplace. So some of the programs and um, our genres really of programs that we really focused on at that time was. Um, hit programming. How do we get more men to like teach and how do we get more men to like show up in the classes? And that really starts with like, you need to deliver something that would be of interest to them. Like what types of programming, um, would bring them in? And not just men, like that's a stereotype, but we were really focused on that demographic at the time. And along with it just came with a whole other, um, spectrum of high performance training and then later conscious movement and self-care, myofascial care, yoga, and mind-body programming. So it was really cool. The thing that makes a job cool is really the people that you work with and the ability to take something that came out of nothing and turn it into um, an experience that moves people. Well, let me let me ask you about that because that goes right into one of the first questions I want to ask and what we're going to be talking about today. How has the fitness, how has the industry changed? How has, well, specifically group fitness, how has the group fitness evolved over the years? Gosh, that's a really big question. Um, well, it's a spiral and it's a continuum, just like every other industry and fitness and the industry of fitness. So that's two different things, right? Um, they evolve with modern life and culture. And when you're successful, you are evolving with modern life and culture. And that growth is accelerating right now. So many ways it has changed. Um, well, I know that we're going to talk a lot about technology and digital experiences and, um, you know, the evolution of that and how it impacts our future with fitness. But one thing, like, we can talk a lot about how it's changed. 
the coolest thing I really think is how it stayed the same. And that is what I believe moves people in fitness is a really good sweat, a little fun or intrigue, and then a commitment to show up consistently. And all of my greatest teachers have always like taught me that, like no matter what the program or product or service or experience that you're creating, you've got to hit those three notes and you'll be in good shape. If you don't hit one of those, then you've, you've got something to figure out and the sustainability or success is at risk. That's, that's an interesting take on it. And what do you think, why do you think people keep coming back to group fitness? So Sean, why is it such a powerful tool for engaging, engaging people in general? Um, yeah, I think we're social creatures. I mean, I know before we spoke a little bit about what, how is with all of the evolution of um, technology and the fact that there is more accessibility to fitness through the digital platforms or, you know, one-on-one with apps. Um, and even, you know, on your own without people, we are social creatures, like humans, not every single one, but we're social animals. And I, I really believe that we always crave coming together. Like people have serious fear of missing out when they know things are happening outside of them, but we crave coming together because we really want to celebrate. We, you know, to our earlier conversation about our kids, we want to celebrate being alive. We want to connect. And then really people like to be challenged and to challenge is to know, you know, it comes down to like the hero's journey and like what, you know, moves, motivates a human in their search for meaning and relevance in the world. Like we want to be challenged to know more of ourselves, but then that requires relationship with others and that requires relationship with the world. And I think that happens in the group fitness space. It's like a microcosm of everything that is possible in that world where it's like you have to work out like social dynamics. You got to work out like people's um, space issues. Like you've got to manage, you've got to manage the ability to like move a room towards a, a, you know, one um, effort. Um, I, I really believe that it is because it is a small microcosm of the human experience with a good sweat and good fun and um, you know, some intrigue. And I think, that's, you know, why group always pulls me back. I, I trained as an anthropologist, and um, it really, in anthropology, there's this space that's created in a group room. And it, in anthropology, we talk about it as, as communitas, and it's this sort of energy that's created when people come together and they're in entrainment with breath, um, movement, often song, and you're working towards a shared purpose or some shared activity, whether it's, you know, a ghost dance to create rain. It happens in the space of a, a shared group experience. It happens in the space of a, a concert. It happens in the space of a political movement. It happens in the space of when people are gathered together to do something in that way with rhythm and um, consciousness. That so lights me up, and I think it lights up and it fuels people. It creates something that didn't exist before, and that's really a shared human experience. It's funny that you say that, and I, and I remember that's one of the things that stands about out about you, Sean, is your background in anthropology. And the one thing I've said a lot recently is I would love to. I'm not sure how, how what the return on investment would be, but part of me would love to do a PhD in social anthropology and look at human behavior in health clubs. You know, oh, I, I really think that'd think be cool. I think that people act so differently when I don't know why, but I think that people act so differently when they join a health club. It's like. These are people that are high-functioning adults and weight and other capacities of their life. Yet sometimes you, you see somebody enter a group fitness studio and they act like a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old in junior high becoming very territorial. 
you know, what, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think it is about that? You know, with, with that that background, with your background, wh- why do you think somebody would kind of revert back to that kind of behavior of like, this is mine, this is mine, you know, leave me alone type space? Well, I I would have to really study the question a little bit more, but I just intuitively, like we are entrained by our behavior, environmentally entrained into behavior um, by other people, by the context of the environment, and really by social cues. Like we are, we have, you know, we are neurons, like we literally in the moment reflect like what is happening around us, especially if you haven't as an individual done a lot of self work and can understand like someone's other, someone else's social cues might be um, impacting you as a, as a projection and you don't know how to separate that from yourself. I think the environment entrains people to act in a certain way and the evolution of the the fitness industry that came really out of like the you know industrial revolution, military, and like the way that gyms are even set up will impact how somebody behaves. That's one, and then two is culture. Like culture is um, really shows up in the context of conversations, and that is also interactions. And the culture is cultivated by what's really allowed and what's tolerated, really. And yeah, like people act differently in those environments because they're allowed to and also because they are being witnessed. You know, it's funny, and it's not to pick on anybody, and this wasn't, you know, it was kind of just an, an offshoot, but you do see people, and the reason why I thought of that is you see people, like, show up 20 minutes late to, or 20 minutes early to claim a bike in a cycling class. You see somebody show up, you know, way early to, to claim a spot in a group class or to lay out their yoga mat, and it's just, and I think part of it is people just want to have some sort of control about mm-hmm. their experience. You know, I think it's one thing when, when people come into a group environment because if I come into a group environment, I'm kind of turning over that hour to you, the instructor. And maybe it's a way, and I've never really thought about this before, LaShawn, but maybe it's a way that they can kind of have some control over their environment and their experience for the next hour. Yeah, I can speak to that. Like That is that one of the areas of my thesis in my master's program is locus of control and someone's perceived internal versus external understanding of their ability to have influence over their environment. And so many of our behaviors are really focused and dialed up around the things that we know because we have, you know, minute control of those uh, behaviors that no one else can really impact. And we tend to um, turn them into um, habits and behaviors and then eventually the characters and personalities. And that really is around, you know, how do we dress? How do we speak? How do we um, manage our home? How do we manage our time? And how do we manage um, our own self-perceived image? And it's such as, you know, it's an interesting look at, at just like people wouldn't normally think of that because you said, you said something just a minute or two ago, when we're in these health clubs with Sean, when we work there as instructors and as trainers and whatnot, we're there, you know, most days of the week. And there were people for a period of time when I was training and teaching full time who I saw way more frequently than I did members of my own family. Mm-hmm. I, don't really, I don't really know them, you know. Use cross paths. I think that's one of the very interesting things about that. And, like, you worked in Manhattan for a while, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, I loved it. I It's true because, I, you know, I don't know whose body of work this is, but health places like health clubs and um, either other social clubs are referred to as third spaces. Like we've got our first space is our home and our family. Our second space tends to be like our place of work, which for you is sort of this as well. But the third space is where people like they spend the rest of their time. It's their 
community. It might be a church. It might be a health club. It might be a, a social club or, you know, a not-for-profit where they literally devote the rest of their, you know, free time into this third space. And I feel like it's it's true, but it's also like the biggest opportunity for um, our industry. And And you can see that happening as more work cohabitation and workout spaces are coming together um, as shared communities. Yeah, and I think that's one of the cool things about it is because you get a group of like-minded people together who are all kind of vibing and doing, getting on the same thing that really creates a powerful, powerful environment. And that kind of brings into to, you know, what I want to be able to talk about today, which is trends. And, and you're known, you know, you're kind of known as someone who not only creates trends but actually can see the trends. One of the, one of the questions that that you know I have is. What has been one of the biggest trends in the last maybe five to ten years that's kind of caught you by surprise? Something that's popular that maybe you didn't think would be popular, but that has proven to be really just kind of engaging with with consumers. Yeah, I love that question. Um, well, I'm surprised every day. Um, I'm also like sad every day that there's a lot of limited thinking that you know prevents trends to like grow into something bigger and it's our responsibility in the industry to continue to cultivate new ideas and new things so that we can create a new story that attracts a more diverse group of people to love movement to understand and find their own fitness so that's I want to just start with that context that we need to embrace what we call as trends we we probably in the industry could spend some time the word trends even means because um, we soften just what is different or what is not, um, you know, the norm or what we aren't yet doing. But if we think of trends as more of a behavioral change, then they don't look like trends, but instead they look like responses to like the lifestyle current that is happening, you know, in the in the bigger space. Um, does that make sense to you? Yeah, no. And actually, as you're saying that, I'm kind of I, I've been doing this a lot lately, where I will look up meanings of words. Just because you know, to try to be trying to get to the root of it, and I'm looking up trend right now in the Oxford uh, English Dictionary. This is mm-hmm. what it says, and it says a general direction in which something is developing or changing, or topic as a subject of oh, social media. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's a current. It's like you think of it, like think of it as a current, like it's energy around something. And mm-hmm. I feel like trends come. Trends are a result of something else that has already shifted or changed. Um, and it's, it's, it's also why when I mentor someone on timing for a program launch or brand positioning that you can't separate out what's, what's happening in the socio-political economic conversation, aka what is the context of like how this experience, this program, this class or whatever is happening in the world? Like how will they actually experience it? It's so all interconnected. Um, so I can't really think of a trend that surprises me, but I'm often really surprised at how long trends move into the mainstream and then while how others sometimes will be really quick like they just like take root super fast like that's always surprising to me and if I, as I really unpack and think about that it comes down to who is in position to either foster that current help it move faster or what is the resistance around that offering meaning who stands to lose and doesn't yet want it to be incorporated into the way of um, um, the world that's one thing. And I guess if I were to think about the coolest opportunity that I think right now in terms of trends, it's voice and audio and things like Alexa skills, because it's a really cool natural fit for what we already do and um, a natural extension. And so that's something that I'm 
like working really deep to study and understand this space. And there's some cool thought leaders here, like Gary Vaynerchuk, that are leading the way for sure. What do you, what do you mean? The vocal or? Yeah, voice. Well, no, the technology of voice, like even just like what we're doing right now, this is a voice product. Like you're creating an informational product through voice and the technology of voice and audio. And the extension of that is something like Alexa Skills, where you take this and it immerses into somebody's daily experience like you might be able to offer coaching on a particular subject or in in you know someone's currency of their day and i think that's a really cool trend that's starting that i'm super excited to see where it goes um and surprised me because i've you know we've really spent so much time in the last two decades being so visual with video and um branding and graphics and um social media tiles that audio is um part of that but it's it can and will be its own distinct experience as well that is meaningful to what we do. Well, it's interesting you say that, LaShawn, because here we are, we're recording a podcast, and I never would have realized, I never really bought into podcasts. The first few times I heard about them, I thought it was kind of silly. I thought it was kind of like, a, why would people listen to this on their phone? You know, I mean, I'm 100% honest about that. But I look at it now as I think it's such a unique opportunity, and this is where we're evolving, is we're evolving into content on demand. You know, I can go to Netflix and watch anything I want anytime. I can go to Hulu anytime. I can go to a podcast, and I can pull up a podcast from four or five years ago. I can listen to somebody that may have passed away recently, you know, and, and be able to mm-hmm. still get in from, learn from them and, and, and learn from their experience on a podcast. And so I think we're really getting into this this culture. We already have it, so to speak, but this culture of on-demand. I mean, we know that as Americans we want things now, and we have this, like, on-demand thing. How is that how is that impacting fitness? I mean, we have video we have like fitness streaming on demand now, but how do you think that kind of that that gravitation or that evolution into this content on demand society, how do you think that's gonna impact the fitness world? I think it makes more possible for people to play. Like I love it. I I mean people often think of it as the disruption to our industry, but you could flip that. Like instead of saying disruption, what if we say it's the innovation? for our industry and that it allows us to like do so many other things that, you know, the time space continuum, like of being physical and face to face didn't um, deliver, which doesn't discount that because the live experiences then become a premium, like having the opportunity to have this conversation sitting with you face to face is a totally different higher value experience than not to say this is not great, but like it's different. Like it doesn't replace it. It's just, a different um, execution of it, if you will. So I think it, it's like, let's change the word from disruption to innovation. Um, and I believe it opens a playing field, not only for people to be able to like, access it, but also for others to contribute what before would have taken a gatekeeper's permission that you're ready to launch something and have a conversation with another human being on something that you've personally experienced. So I feel like it, it creates a democratic, a, a more um, accessible playing field that is really good. Like when more pe- more voices get involved in something, the world evolves. It's 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 hard to follow that if you're one of the people that haven't been leveling up your game. But it tends if you look back at the history of 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 everything that's come forward, like when more voices get involved, we tend to move a little bit more quickly well, in terms of that. Well, I, th- I like that. Uh, you know, you're talking about, especially like with trend as a current, you're talking about shared power 
and shared mm-hmm. energy and, and that. creating that. And I think that's one of the cool things about what we're starting to see now with, with the advent of social media, especially in fitness. It seems to me like social media was specifically designed for fitness people. And you and I, LaShawn, are of the generation. We, we were doing our thing, you know, 10, 15 years before social media. You know, so mm-hmm. imagine what we could have. Have you ever thought about that, that, you know, what you could have, how we would have leveraged that when we were like instructors in clubs and we were kind of developing our brand and coming into a sense of who we are? Is there a way that do you think that you would have gravitated to social media or was it something that maybe you would have kind of not really gotten too involved with? Oh, my God, I would have been so all over it. I, I always wanted to, like, have an audience. I, I grew up in a, in a entertainment family. My father was a was a performer, and so were he was a, he came from a family of 17, and oh, they wow. had a, a, a family, like a traveling musical show, and everybody had, like, a stage. Like, everybody had a, a role to play, and a, they were entertained in their own way. And I always thought, like, I was going to be that entertainer as well, but I was, like, the, you know, sometimes talent skips generations. <laughs> so it kind of skips me, completely skips me. And as hard as I tried, like, um, you know, when I was like nine, my dad had to sort of sit me down and tell me that I didn't really have like this higher <laughs> concept of talent that I thought I had and that I should focus on some other things just to add value to it. But as passion goes, like I found my way to a stage anyway. So like my ability to deliver like group fitness was my own like execution of like this entertainment wanted to reach more people um, impulse that kind of is passed down to generations in my family. And, you know, I think it's like the greatest privilege to, to share and do, but if I had the ability to magnify that, like in my twenties, um, I'm sure my mistakes would have been really even more broadly, like broadcast, like, you know, cause you fall down a lot when you're young, but I would have taken that in a heartbeat for sure. Yeah. I think it would have been so cool to be able to do that. Cause that one of the things I've done recently on the podcast and is interviewed some, some, you know, really strong Instagram trainers who have some credibility because I yeah. do think they have a voice, you know, I mean, to, to, I want to go down this thread for a second with Sean, because I think and we're about to talk about this. One of the things that we don't do well in fitness and commercial fitness is we don't engage new people into the industry. You mentioned yeah. earlier when we were talking offline how still less than 20% of American American adults are members of a health club. That's 80% mm-hmm. of people out there that aren't impacted by by specific by, by health clubs, by physical structures. Yet when you look at some of these people on a social media platform like Instagram, they have tens or hundreds of thousands of followers. You know, I think that's a very powerful medium and there's some, I think there's a ten, tendency by some of us more experienced in the business to kind of overlook, I don't know, forego those people or look down on those people that have used social media to create a presence for themselves. But do you think that social media can have a positive influence on helping people become more, more active or helping people adopt more activity in their life? And how so? I mean, definitely. I mean, it, we, there are tons of examples in the, in the current um, marketplace and that we could talk about that came because people were inspired by something on social media. And if, even if we just think back to our own like experience growing up, like we had our own like influencers. Like I grew up listening to like audio cassette tapes in my ear. So I was ha- being influenced by informational audio experiences through like Brian Tracy and um, Tony Robbins and different people that I loved um, back then books and like now you can listen to books online. So we've always had the ability to be influenced by messages. And if you think even just back to then, like 
it depends on what you allow into your mind. Like if you're, if you're consuming media that is not uplifting or that's not informed or not well intentioned or you don't really understand where it's coming from or where that person's, you know, funding comes from, then you might be influenced to have a negative um, experience or that might take you down the wrong path. And on the opposite side, like it, it, if you are finding like good content that comes from the proper intention and is well informed and well instructed, that it can have a profound. We know that it has a profound impact on someone's life, and then their ability to show up more fully in the world and make their message or their contribution um, more readily available. Like I, I know it for sure. It's it's all in it's all in the intention and it's all in the execution. So how you use it's not the platform, it's not the medium, it's who's using it and what are they trying to say and what is their motivation. Well, I guess you're right because, you know, magazines have been around for, for, you know, a long while. We've had video fitness and it's all about the influencer. And that's one of the things I've tried to do is try to kind of amplify, you know, as I look through people's profiles, I've tried to amplify or give voice to some people who really have, who deserve having a voice and deserve being, you know, being heard. In this kind of in this realm, do you think that technology has been good for fitness, for the fitness space? I mean, we kind of touched on that a little bit briefly, but how has technology really, how has it influenced fitness? And has that been good or bad, or, or is it something that we don't really need? Oh, my gosh, we definitely need it. Like, oh, I'm really happy I live in this um, time in the world where there's modern conveniences. And I've got, again, we just... And also just to take a step back, like this is a first world conversation. Like there are many people in the world where the the conversation around fitness and health and wellness is on a very different continuum and they just want to stay alive and thrive, you know, as best they can with the conditions that they have. Like this is a very privileged conversation that we're having. And it's a really big consideration that we should think about uh, the rest of the world and where that fitness, health, wellness mental health, which is very present as a conversation today, um, where we are in that continuum and how we can serve the population as we grow and those who might not have access to, you know, like a workout, workout. Um, and a great place to think about that and start with that is to take a look at the United Nations 17 global goals. And the number three goal is health, wellness, and um I, yeah, I think it's just health and wellness, like the ability to be healthy and well. Like that's the number three goal for the global world. So we want to think about it in relation to that. For the technology conversation, yeah, it solves problems. Um, tech is a way of life. It generates it generates solutions to you know whatever the problems that it was trying to solve at the time, which is often around productivity and um, um, you know, be able to save time and money and make things more convenient and entertaining. But it then also then generates its own set of challenges and circumstances that, you know, if you think of the cycle, then create new opportunities for a solution and so on and so on. It's part of the evolution. For me, like, I think the, the coolest thing about tech is that it's really given everyone a platform, like we spoke about, to play, and it gives consumers greater access. Um, but then it's really how do you use it? How do you use it in your life and how do we abuse it? And that becomes um, the the dialogue is, you know, in, in terms of like is it helping fitness? And, I mean, even like amazing companies like Apple are having this conversation on a global scale right now. You know, I just looked at I just to look that up, I, I think, and LaShawn, this is one of the reasons why I think you're, you're seen as a leader and a, and a trendsetter in, in our business 
because I'm looking at it and you nailed it. The the seven there's 17 sustainable development goals um, from the UN looking at how can we enhance everybody in, in the world. Number one is no poverty. Number two is zero hunger. Number three is good health and well-being. And yeah. and you look at that 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 comes three spots ahead of clean water and sanita- sanitation. I mean, this yeah. is and I think this is something that people don't realize is, is that fitness. I think a lot of people see as oh that's just you know sweat that's whatever. And but but fitness is is integral to our success as an individual as a human. And the role of fitness is to promote health. The role of fitness mm-hmm. is to promote having energy. You know, how do you, mm. how do you define fitness? Because I think one of the things that, that really that keeps people away from the benefits of fitness is this idea that fitness means looking a certain way or having a certain type of body or having, having to fit a certain image. And personally, I think that's somewhat, A, distasteful, but B, I think it keeps people away from experiencing the benefits that they should be getting. You know, mm-hmm. and that's one of the cool trends that we've seen is this whole this whole approach to body image and body acceptance. Do you? And what are your thoughts on that? Because I know you, we've shared some ideas on that in the past. Don't you think that's an important thing that we need to do is to try to communicate fitness at a different level? Oh my gosh, we could talk like hours on this. Um, fitness to me is really about human potential, and it transcends physiology even it's not just about the body but we have um our mind which lives in the body and the more we the more the science unpacks like we understand like the mind is literally in our tissues and our emotions are like unlocked as we unlock our fascia like this like the science is leading us into like this more more undeniably integrated understanding of like what the body is and the body needs to move like we are healthiest when we move and when we move with variety and when we move with intention and when we move in, um, you know, healthier spaces, like when we get contained, whether that's physical or mental or spiritual, like it's, it sabotages how we show up in the world and it impacts our ability to work, our impacts, our ability to find relationships, it impacts our ability to like serve. So it's not just about the body. Health has to include all aspects of us, physical, mental, spiritual, and it must also be inclusive. So if anything, over the last 50 years of this, like, official industry, I don't know when the fitness industry actually would say it started, is that we know, we know from a scientific level, as we understand biochemical individuality, that there is not a single one-size-fits-all solution. And that's not for nutrition. It's not for mental health. It's not for fitness. And the sooner we stop trying to pitch our specific solution is the end all be all and instead stop and listen to what the person or the group or, you know, the nation in front of us actually needs, we will win. And it's about serving from the heart. It's not about our heads. It's not about our choreography. So if I think about the future of fitness and what that means, we have to show up with new tools and techniques, equipment and methodologies, but we can't do that unless we stop and understand that it's holistic. It's inclusive. It's, a fuller systemic expansive lens. Like otherwise we don't get to move beyond the percentage of influence that we've already reached. Um, yeah. So body image, I think we're moving in the right direction, direction around inclusivity and expanding the conversation, but we just, we just, we put our pinky toe in this conversation so far. Well, isn't it important to get people to realize that, that fitness isn't about appearance, but that fitness is about, I, I like, I like your approach to it. That fitness is really just about potential. And how can, what, what can we do to communicate that? Because I think a lot of us, 
you know, and I, I find myself sometimes with Sean cringing when when I'm teaching a class. I go, come on, let's crush it, let's go, and I'm, I'm like, wait a minute, that's a very you know very aggressive language, you know, and I try to I try mm-hmm. to use my words more carefully. But you know, what can we do to kind of create this acceptance where anybody should feel welcome walking into a health club? You know, I think it's a vibrational thing. Like we have to start with ourselves. So we have to start with our our own, um, you know, the leaders that we are and the teachers and the trainers and um, even the people like working at the desk and, you know, checking people in. Like as we understand like what fitness means to us and how we feel better when we move. And maybe the word fitness needs to go away. I don't even know what it means anymore. Like it's used in so many crazy ways. But I think it, it starts with that experience, that direct experience of a different understanding of fitness and sometimes that comes from contrast i can say just you know from a personal level that i've had times in my life when i was was fit and healthy and able to move really well and and then i've had times when i was like super super fit and ripped and was great on the videos but i was so broken like every time i did like something that was like a meaningful movement i would get injured because i wasn't healthy and then I've had times like even now where I'm not fit and it impacts my ability to show up in the world for my ability to reach my human potential. And that's not tied to like a way that it looks and feels, but it's, it's tied to like, well, what do I want to do? Like fit for what? Like what do I fit for what? Like that's the question we have to continuously ask. And when we answer that internally, then I think we get to have a different experience and impact to the those that are around us you know and that's really what i think that's a powerful message to, to give and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to do this pot you know not only have you interview but interview you but but do the podcast in general and that's to help kind of re reformat and reshape what fitness is you know i, I always mm-hmm. try to give the message i, I love your, your your thing about potential but in my opinion um fitness you know fitness is freedom you know having, oh, the, fitness, having the freedom for you to play with your kids or Go on a, you know, if you want to go on a hike, if you want to, be, you know, take a class. But I think that really is what we can do to reset it and say, hey, fitness is all about just having potential and having, and I'm going to borrow that from you, but having the opportunity to enjoy life doing what we want to do. Isn't that important? Don't you think that we overlook that? I love that so much. And I, and I, yes, 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 yes. I, I definitely think so. And I also think that for me, fitness is a, it's a verb. Like I'm fitnessing, like, oh, I think it's Kelly, Dr. Kelly Starrett that taught me this, like this fitnessing is like this thing that you do, but then there's also this movement in the world and activity in the world. But for me, fitness, and I, my lens of fitness is at this moment in my life um, is yoga. Like I love yoga. I love like all of the yoga, but what I love about yoga is when I show up on the mat and I do it as a practice, as I show up and I move my body and I give space in my day to move and honor and just play, then just what happens to the rest of me, like my mind, the ideas, like, you know, how ideas come in the shower for people. Ideas come to me when I'm on the mat. And that is like where, what I think is such a gift, like it unlocks like a fuller aspect of ourselves that um, you can't put like a label on that and you can't put like it has to look like this because we all have our own form of medicine and ideas and things that we are intended to like go out and share and that comes back to you know we're we're in this body and we get to express it in the way that is right for us 
not to say that there are not health parameters that we should be mindful of because we've learned a lot about that in the world and we should not throw that out with this conversation. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so cool and so interesting, which is why what, if we come back to trends, like some of the trends that have excited me the most and I feel really proud to have been a part of it is, is the, the movement towards conscious movement and breath work and meditation and, um, even like things like parkour where there is more of like an open space and it takes you very particularly into a space of reflection and stillness. Um, That is exciting because when you are in, when you make time for that, um, which technology does steal from us a little bit, like the more technology and voices we have in our ear, the less we get to hear ourselves. That's an exciting trend for me because I think it's transformative. I think I think that's where I got the idea for. I don't know if you saw the article I wrote a couple months ago about um, about meditation and fitness and the role that meditation plays. It was it was a different one than I wrote on um, on flow state, but and that's one of the things we mm. talked about is is kind of finding flow. But but that's one thing that's really been challenging me, um, Sean, from from a, from a personal fitness level is trying to incorporate more meditation. And it's funny because when I do it. I can feel the benefit almost immediately. And I find that, you know, whether it's getting the beta waves or whether it's, you know, trying to, you know, create parasympathetic drive, I find my, you know, I find myself craving it. When I'm able to get a good, you know, five to 10 minutes of just kind of plugging in, I find myself, you know, really doing that. But at the same time, it's almost more challenging to me than trying to pick up 300 pounds. You know, mm-hmm. you know, what do you, would you have any like go to? What's your, how do you kind of get yourself in that mindset? where you can really make meditation work for your needs? I mean, I think meditation, just like all mindfulness practices, like there is um, a full spectrum of experiences to experiment with, just like in fitness. Like there's a lot of different types of of, um, interval training experiences that you could tap into. Same thing with meditation. And there's probably a meditation style or blend or fusion that fits your needs the most. But I always like think it's really healthy to go back to like a classic experience and there's many of them that you could play with and just pick one and do it for a while. But you have to like, like it's just like everything Like you've got to show up for it and then it will feed you later. And if that's a challenge, then that's where technology comes in. Like having a guided experience where you can get entrained and with a brainwave now, like literally you can have your brainwave supported as you meditate so that you can like take off the training wheels later. Like that's, so cool whereas before you needed to show up with a teacher and like they would coach you in the particular breath and the posture and all of that to then you know elicit those um that physiology like that's really cool but it comes back to like just you got to make the commitment and show up for it um meditation i think is like hygiene and um it will the more and more we evolve like we'll understand like we all need to meditate whatever that means to you on a daily basis Maybe maybe more than once a day. And I, I try to do that at certain times, especially you know stressful stuff like travel and stuff. Now, getting ready to wrap up here, I want to ask you like, what do you think? You talked about conscious movement. You talked about you know meditation, you know play. What do you think we're going to see in the next few years? How do we think we're going to see the fitness industry evolve? And one of the things that we you said in a previous conversation that has really stuck with me, and in, in why I'm really stoked we're having this conversation with Sean is that the biggest disruption to fitness is not going to come from the fitness industry. What, what do you mean by that? 
Well, I think it's already, it's already happened. Like we, in a way, like we took our, like we're so busy doing our fitnessing and delivering like the, the, the solutions that we were committed to that we didn't see like this other need in the rest of the, of the community, um, to be able to move more, to be able to just impact small habits and, and, um, behavioral change that other industries stepped up and we don't own fitness. Like this in, an industry can't own a concept. Like fitness is like art. Like nobody owns art. Nobody owns music. Nobody owns innovation. Like we have to like let go of that a little bit. Um, and just understand like the the solutions that are coming that help people find their you know fitness are coming from all over and there are so many cool emerging markets that we need to think about for me i'd love to follow the science like study science look at patents look at trending topics on social and various platforms where people tend to like talk about cool ideas like medium is a great blog like follow you know, just surf and look at Medium because there's a lot of innovation and innovative conversations that happen on Medium that might not make it to Facebook or um, um, other, you know, like Instagram or Snapchat. I don't know. They Maybe they're there and I just haven't found them. But as a start, we should all watch innovation with networks and sensors, um, global connectivity, data, and the ability to, con- you know, compute and actually use science um, to program something that's so valuable and affordable now. Robotics, um, genomics and synthetic biology, AI, um, AR, VR, like all of that space, like the next like fitness experience is going to evolve and integrate with that and the live experience. Like you can't give up on the live experience because people will still want to come together even with like a VR set with them. And do you think, I mean, do you think that, that the health clubs, I mean, one of the big disruptors has been this whole idea of boutique studios and well, I understand that that people like to have that separate space. I'm a fan of health clubs, Sean. I know that there are certain, there are good operators, there are operators that could get better. But I really what I like about the health club is just as you mentioned earlier, it's that third space. It's that place where like-minded people to, can, can come together. Do you think health clubs? And what I, you also mentioned that shared like a co-working. What do you think mm-hmm. the health clubs of the future are going to look like? How do you think the health clubs are going to evolve? Oh, I think they're going to get smarter. Like they're going to be fully like plugged in and we're going to be able to tap into like every other area of our life, um, through that, you know, that space. Like it will integrate a little bit. I, I don't think it's a, like a choice between boutiques and health clubs or boutiques and, you know, a digital app or something. I think they're all part of the offering of fitness and the smartest players are tapping into all of them to understand like how do they all work with these with, with your core offering in terms of like health clubs. And it's also like, we don't do that for the food industry. Like we don't look at fashion and food and say, okay, now we've got, you know, like we've got whole foods. So we have to close this. Like it, like it, it swings, it flows, it ebbs. And there is a reason for all of these different experiences. You know, sometimes it's convenience and then sometimes it's, um, you know, scale. So they all belong in the conversation and they all have their place in the conversation and we shouldn't really pit them against each other. And like instead, because we're only talking to 20% of the population, we should focus on how can we use the whole network to achieve um, more impact. That's an interesting approach to it is because I don't think they're going away. And, and I, I like your restaurant analogy because I've used that often myself. I'm just like, it is like you'll have some restaurants that thrive and you'll have other restaurants which will come and go. And, and kind of evolve, uh, you know, evolve out of place if they don't adapt to what the clients want. 
Yeah, what's the, let's talk about talent for a second um, to close out because even though this conversation is for consumers, one of the things I want to mention is, and have you talk about talent is the fact that we need more instructors. We need new people entering the industry and people listening, and that's going to be something I cover on, a, on an upcoming podcast, LaShawn, is how to get started in the fitness business. I mean, you mentioned you're folding towels. I was working part-time at the front desk. What's, what's so important about fitness talent and, and why, what role does, does talent play to do individuals play in the overall fitness experience? Oh gosh, talent is everything. Like the whole thing is a human experience and it's an exchange of like energy. Um, cannot walk away from talent. I, I think it's, I think it's an exciting time. We have to like lower the barriers of entry to, if we want more, more people to step in. And we've got to like think about, and I don't want to go here because this is a whole other podcast. So we got to think about like, how do we, how is this a career? Like, how do we, how do people set themselves, set themselves up for success in this quote, quote, industry, if they want to choose that, they have to be able to feed their families. They have to be able to take care of their bodies. They have to be able to create a life and a living if this is what what they want to do. So that's part of the talent thing. But talent is everything. I think talent is um, a really, like talent has um, a lot of power right now and they will continue to do so because that's where the creativity will really come from. And that's what um, really moves people is that relationship one-on-one with your trainer or your instructor or, you know, the person at the club that's a concierge that makes, that really greets you every single time. So as we invest as, you know, leaders in this industry, as we invest in our technology and um, we also have to remember to take care of the talent, which I think there's so many great brands doing that. And um, it's, it's, it's a big focus for many corporations and, small boutiques as well. Well, I think that's a message, too, that, that I want to cover in, 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 that, in that upcoming discussion, though, because you, you said something, and I want people to understand that it really, you don't need to commit to this full-time. For somebody, and this is like what I think is it's a perfect part-time job for people that might have other interests or might have other, other things in their life, or they're just looking for a way to, to do this. I mean, my wife, who, you, who you've known over the years, worked mm-hmm. full-time in the lab. And yeah. Um, you know, who didn't, you know, who, so she works in a lab all day and for her teaching group fitness, a couple classes a week is her chance to interact with people and her chance to have that just, Hey, I'm not doing what I do in a lab coat and whatever, which is very clinical, but she is really, you know, engaging with people. And so I just want to give that message out there that it's yeah. you don't have to make a full career change, but you can even just do it part-time because you've done it at part-time. We, even when you're working a full-time job, yeah. you still teach group fitness part-time, correct? Totally. And I think it comes down to like, like for some people would judge your wife as not being a professional because she only teaches one class a week. So she doesn't get that credit or that credential of being like a fit pro, whereas her impact is tremendous and her value is tremendous. And we need to compensate accordingly for that ability. So like make it worth your time to show up once a week to impact that hundred people that she does change their lives every single week. So that's sort of that context of it. But yeah, I think that's the lowering the barrier of entry. Like there are many ways to be involved in this conversation and to serve people through this industry. And it's like the, I don't swear, it's like the best job in the whole world. Like if you can, if it moves you and this is your passion, like you can make um, it a side hustle or you can make it a full career, but it's a really cool industry to be in because you, you viscerally impact somebody every single day and you can see the results 
not just six weeks after they get their fitness results, but you can see that you change their day with a smile on their face and the sweat and that glow and, and that connectivity that you have. Like it's, it's totally gives back to you. So well, the talent is everything. And well, yes, I, I agree sorry, with you. Sorry to cut you off there, but I was talking about that, you know, a couple episodes ago with, and we were just talking about why we love being instructors. And, and I really have to say, and one thing I tell new instructors is that when people give you an hour of their day, like if I come to your class with Sean, I'm giving you an hour of my time. And I love mm-hmm. how you keep coming back to energy because that is what it all is. You know, we all create the energy, right? And, you know, if I'm giving you an hour of my energy, I want it to be special. And the mm-hmm. good instructors know how to do that. And and that, I think that's a huge responsibility. And I love that responsibility. I couldn't imagine. My wife and I have talked about this. I couldn't imagine not, not training or not, not being in front of an audience. Or And you're right. You're seeing people walk out, sweating a little bit, having a smile on their face. You've made – there are very few jobs where you have a direct positive impact on somebody's life like that. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so amazing. It's such it's so satisfying, and I agree with you that our true care, our true currency is our energy and our attention and and our intention, and that is um, a very clear and immediate exchange with another human being or group of human beings, whether it's direct direct or even across you know a different media platform. Like that's also. Um, an exchange and it has value. So the more the merrier and we need as many voices as possible because um, the, a lot of people are suffering and they don't have to be because we do have solutions and we do have um, great ideas and there's great inspiration and we just need to get out there and start where you are and serve where you are and that will make all the difference. Well, and then it's funny, you know, that's such a good way to look at it is, is make that difference. But at the end of the day, I always joke about this sometimes when I'm checking at the front desk and, you know, my tagline is I'm here to make a room full of half-naked people sweaty because that's really, <laughs> that is really what you're doing. Final question, Michonne, and I, I really appreciate your time. You have a tattoo of, what is it, the, the Mandarin symbol for continuation? Uh-huh. <laughs> Can't believe you remember that. Well, when we first met, no, it, it was funny because when we first met, that's how we met. I asked you about it. And it was because a client of mine had a close friend that was, was dealing with, uh, with cancer. And that symbol became kind of like their, their, their kind of mantra for dealing with that. And so mm. when I saw it, it was like, it was one of those, you know, it, it, it was one of those moments of synergy where I'd never seen that symbol before. And my, my client was telling me about it. And then like we, maybe a week or so later, we met. And it was one of those cool synchronicity is the word I was looking for, not, not synergy, but synchronicity. And it was one of those cool, just like things. What is, what is continuation? What's that mean to you? Well, it was one of those college tattoos with your boyfriend, but I'm glad I picked a good one. But it was, it was my Tao sign. So there was this cool book called the book of Tao. It was like three years. It was basically a Tao and a conversation and a Mandarin symbol for every day of the year. And I, we just picked our birthdays and I got mine. So mine, my birthday is December 31st, which is the end of the year and the beginning of a new year. And what that passage spoke about is that really is how one cycle ending is the beginning of the new cycle and that there is a continuation and an honoring of some, letting something go so something new can be born, which totally relates to trends. So I got that. It's on my ankle. But now I want to tell you about my new tattoo. So I don't have – I'm not getting a new tattoo because I've got kids and I, they're really impressionable and I know that I could go down a dangerous path. So I've been doing um, – 
I've been writing my own tattoo on my wrist every single day. And this is something that I learned from Jesse Itzler, who is the 100-mile man or 200-mile man. I don't even know what he's called, but he's this amazing inspirational guy who um, he would write on his wrist, like, all of the weekends that he had left to live in his life just so that he didn't waste them. Like, he was really productive during the week, and then he wanted to make sure that he maximized his, his time on the weekends. Um, so he would write down how many weekends and how many hours that was left to do the fun things that he wanted to do. So I started doing um, this as well. So I now write four things on my wrist each day. One, I write the words, I am, because I believe what we say is a decree out to the world. So how you say you are, like I am well or I am hungry or whatever, like creates that environment. So I really believe in the power of words. So I write that on my hand, and then I draw a symbol, which is my um, logo for my personal brand, Fully Inspired. And then I write down how many days I have left to live if I want to live to 100, um, which, you know, maybe I'll live beyond that, but I at least want to live to 100. I think that's a really cool goal. So I write that down on my wrist along with how many days left I have to achieve a goal that I've set for myself. So that's my new daily tattoo, and my family knows my numbers, so they, they know where I am with my goals, and it reminds me really to show up every day and make the most of it. And my ankle reminds me to finish what I start and to remember that um, I, sometimes I have to let things go because – that's the only way life can go on with new things coming to me. That that is really cool, and you know, I, I just I love Lashawn the way you keep coming back to energy because at the end of it, you know, at the beginning, at the end, at the alpha, the omega, that's all we are. All we are is energy, it's true. and it's how we yeah. share that energy, how we cultivate that energy that really you know creates our experience here in this in this body. Is there any way that people can kind of follow up and and, and follow you, or if they you know can learn more about? what it is that you do and how you do it? Yeah, Facebook, LaShawn Dale, and Twitter, LaShawn Dale. And I'm updating my website very slowly. It's now going on 10 years. So talking about technology, I'm not paying much attention to it. But LaShawndale.com. So if it looks like it's under construction, it is that you can, you can sign up for my emails and um, blogs. But Facebook is probably the place I publish the most at the moment. And well, I'm you know, so glad for that platform. Well, I think you do such, I mean, you do such cool work and, and for people that haven't come across you or they, they, I bet you, I bet you a majority of people in the fitness industry have been influenced in some way by something you've done, whether it's been an instructor you've taught or a, a class, a program you developed. You know, you're, I mean, that's a, the cool thing about what we do, right? Is that we, we don't even realize how we're impacting other people. So for listeners that maybe you haven't heard of us, Sean, I can guarantee you that something you've done, some way you've sweat in the last couple of years, has has been influenced by some of her work. So, LaShawn, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I should also say, like, if you'd like to follow some of just the, the, the writing and the ideas that I um, were sharing, I, you know, I love the company that I work with, 24 Hour Fitness, and I we publish a website called 24life.com, and we have lots of really amazing conversations around mindset, movement, nourishment, regeneration, both directly for the consumer, but then also really for um, the professional, like we're all, I think, consumers of our profession as well and our, of fitness. So definitely check in there. And I, if anyone has a program or a product or something that they're dying to launch in the world, one of my missions is to help 100 people launch their idea out into the world. That's my gift of service. I don't charge for my insights. I just really help you find your way on the path or connect you to the right person that will move you the next step forward. So LaShawn, um Dale at Twitter is probably a great way to get in touch with me, and I can't wait to talk to you. 
That was truly just a fascinating and engaging conversation. Yeah, I don't know about you, but for me, I enjoy geeking out about that. You know, I've used LaShawn as sources before. I, you know, I, for the American Council on Exercise, I write blogs for maybe for the last four or five years. You know, every December or November, December, I write a blog for the American Council on Exercise trying to predict the future, what we're going to see in fitness in the coming year. And LaShawn's always been a good source of uh, good source of input for that. And I'm going to have our fitness predictions down below for 2018 because it was written in uh, around November, of late November, early December 2017, because she had some really good insight. And one of the things that I absolutely just adore about LaShawn is the fact that she has a different background. I mean, she came from a movement background, and she grew up in, in Montana, so she was always active and always, always doing things. But she you know, studies an anthropologist. She studied human behavior. Now, if you look at what we do, you know, look, think about your life. You know, think about the things you do. You know, from from sun up to sundown. You know, how you how you go about your, your your life day to day, going to work, going to play, taking care of family, all that fun stuff. We all fall into habits. We all fall into patterns. We fall. We all fall into certain behaviors. And the role of anthropologists is to study those behaviors, understand those behaviors, what those behaviors mean for us individually. And how those individual behaviors, how do individual behaviors, you know, add up and permeate in society? So when you look at something like health clubs and like fitness and gyms, you know, it's only been the last maybe 40, 45 years that fitness has been relatively mainstream, you know, since like maybe the early mid seventies, you know, and think about it. You had the Cooper Clinic in, in, in Dallas, Texas come out and promote aerobic exercise. You had Jazzercise, Jane Fonda, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Pumping Iron was filmed in 1975 about Arnold Schwarzenegger's, I think it was his fourth or fifth, you know, Mr. Olympia, um, Mr. Olympia title. And Governor Schwarzenegger, if you happen to listen to this, by all means, I'd love to have you on as a guest to uh, to set the record straight about how you train for that. One of the most fascinating, if you want to hear a fascinating, motivating interview, find uh, Schwarzenegger's interview with uh, Chris, um, Chris Hardwick on Nerdist from a few years ago. I'll listen to that every now and then when I'm working out, and man, I just I can't tell you it boosts my list about maybe five to ten percent because uh, governor the governor talks about his overall you know his motivation and how he went from being you know an immigrant in this country to being governor of the state of California. Anyway, I digress. But Governor Schwarzenegger, if you listen to this, call me. <laughs> uh, but back to Lashawn, it really is what I love discussing with her is just she has a different, unique approach to fitness. I mean, look at this, folks. You're doing things today that we didn't didn't imagine we'd be doing 15, 20 years ago. You know, I'm in my mid-40s. I talk about that often. But if you had told me 15 years ago that everything I'd do in my life would be living, you know, be out of a three-by-five phone that doubles as a computer, I wouldn't have believed you. You know, I read a stat a few years ago that, that a kid in Africa, a kid in sub-Saharan Africa with an Apple iPhone and access to the internet has more information at his fingertips than Bill Clinton did when he was in the White House in the early 90s. You know, think about how that's changed the world. So we, we change, our behaviors change, and one of the most important behaviors we can do or we can, we can participate in every day is physical activity. You know, being fit, our body is meant to move. You know, think of your car. If you just leave your car sitting around and you don't turn your car over, you don't drive your car, your car is going to fall apart in relatively quick order. The engine won't work. The oil will drain out. The tires will deflate. Well, folks, the same thing happens to your body. If you don't use your body, if you don't move your body, the systems are not going to stay viable. The systems won't work. 
You know, that, that's the point I try to make with exercise in this podcast. I don't care if you want to have a sculpted abs and beach body, good for you. That's not my goal. The goal for this podcast is to help you learn how to use exercise, how to use physical activity, and how being fit can make a difference in your life. And I love LaShawn's definition of fitness. You know, it's about potential. It's about creating options. So when we look at having you be more fit, it's not about appearance. It's about just quality of life. It's engaging, being more social. And LaShawn's background specifically is in group exercise. You know, anybody who's ever taught or anybody who's ever taken, you know, let me, let me walk that back a second. Anybody who's ever taken group exercise on a regular basis, maybe that's your motivation. Maybe you love going to a studio. Maybe you love going to a gym for the class. But one of the most powerful things about group exercise is seeing the same people week after week and connecting with them. You might not know their name, but you know, you know the other woman that you always say hey to, you see her in the locker room, you say hi to her, you smile, maybe you, you share a few kind words. It's a few moments of positive interaction in your day. A number of years ago, I wrote a piece on, on why people like doing group exercise. And a friend of mine from D.C., you know, big shout out to Maureen. Maureen, I don't know if you're listening to this, but I, I do remember this you know, from what you said years ago. But a friend of mine, Maureen, in D.C., was a partner at a, a very high-power law firm. Her input, her feedback was that much of her day is spent in conflict. If you're an attorney in certain jobs, you're just, you're, your day is revolved around getting what you need from other people, around pushing people around. Or, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but that's just what you have to do. But coming to the gym is a chance for some positive interaction in your day. You know, turn your brain off and just being part of a group. That's one of the powers. That's one of the powerful things about group exercise. As an instructor, you know, we facilitate that. We facilitate that escape from the day. For one hour, we get to have an impact on your day and make it better. And people like LaShawn, and I mean this, you know, I said this during the podcast, and I mean it truly, that some of the group exercise classes you might take now were influenced by stuff that she did five, 10 years ago. She's been involved in some tremendous brands. She's helped develop programs. You know, I'll have a link to her. You know, she has a website. I'll have a link to her information. LaShawn's been one of these, you know, background industry figures. She might not be forefront. You know, people like her, people like myself, we don't care about the adulation. We don't care about, you know, being up in front of thousands of people. That's not what we're doing. This We're doing this because we want to have an impact on improving the overall quality of life. We want to have a positive impact on the world through exercise. That sounds a little hokey, but that's true. That's what we're doing. So LaShawn, you know, curating awesome content for 24 Life is having an impact. And you better believe I'm going to link down to a couple of pieces I've written for 24 Life down below. I'll have a link down to one or two pieces of, that LaShawn's written down below. <laughs> I've worked with numerous editors. I love the way she edits my stuff. I really do. So LaShawn, if you're listening to this, thank you. You make me sound much gooder than my writing might, might be. The reason for this episode was I wanted you to hear where fitness might be going in the future. What we might be doing, you know, the next few years in fitness. Because the, the gyms, you know, what we're going to see is we're going to see this evolution. Admit it, you know, when you walk into a gym now, you might see field turf. You might see these cages. You might see sleds. Those weren't there five, seven, ten years ago. We had, we've had one evolution of fitness already. This is, you know, strongly influenced by CrossFit. We're getting ready for another evolution in the fitness industry. You know, whether that's from technology, whether that's from somewhere else, you know, not really sure where it's going to come from, but we'll see it. But we may, who knows, we may have a devolution. You talk to, you know, if you listen, go back and, you know, 
to a previous you know, episode number back where I speak with John Wolf from Onnit. You know, Onnit promotes using, you know, clubs, you know, Indian, you know, a mace. Indian clubs and a mace are tools, you know, hundreds of years old to work out. Maybe we'll have a devolution in fitness will be our next evolution. Devolving to going back what we're doing already. Not sure what it's going to be, but I can guarantee you one thing, folks. You can hear about it here at All About Fitness because I do try to keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening in the fitness world so you can use it to enhance your quality of life. Hopefully you got a lot out of today's episode. I know one of the things I really enjoy about doing this podcast selfishly is I get a lot out of every conversation I have. I have some killer content coming up. I'm going to be doing some uh, product reviews. I got some cool stuff, so stay connected. Follow us regularly. If you can do me a favor, give us a quick review. I know I asked for that. And I, I think I'm going to be starting a Patreon uh, page soon just so I can offset some of the costs. And the only thing I would do is, is you know, the, when if you buy a fitness magazine at, at a newsstand, it usually costs between 4 and $6. So once I get the Patreon set up, that's all I'm going to ask for. It's just, you know, however much you would spend on a fitness magazine at the newsstand. If you want to do that, great. If not, don't worry about it. But all I need to do is offset some of the equipment I've been buying and some of the stuff I've been learning in the back end in order to bring you higher quality content with a better quality of audio. So thanks for stopping by this episode of All About Fitness. You can connect with me, Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. My Twitter handle is PeteMC underscore fitness. That's PeteMC underscore fitness. And finally, you can catch me on Instagram. I'm trying to put more information up on Instagram just to kind of engage you, stay involved with you, give you different ideas. But that's Pete McCall underscore Instagram. Or sorry, not Pete McCall underscore Instagram. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness. Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. Thanks for stopping by for this episode. I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.